Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have uh, with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, how are you down in Bay City this weekend? Uh, recovering, Parker. Uh, I, had, I had 16 rowdy fellas come down to Bay City last week for our fantasy football draft. Uh, it, it was a heck of a time. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I think I need a, a weekend from the weekend to recover. But uh, we're moving along, man. That's good. Yeah, Labor Day is kind of fun. We had the Statso in-laws in town and went and did some mountainy things with them and proved to them that if we move to the middle of the mountains, they will uh, enjoy it so much that they'll come visit us, not that we'll never see them again. So it was kind of a, an ad campaign as well. So it was kind of, kind of nice. Um, yeah, you know, that was kind of the theme of my weekend too, is that sometimes the middle of nowhere really is kind of pretty. And, okay, you know, yeah, I'm not saying... I liked Bay City. We came down and had dinner. Yeah, whenever, yeah. That was January or something last year. Um, where uh, where did we go? What was the, what was the name of the little bar and grill we went to? Oh, had Fat a great Grass. Burger. Fat Grass. Yep. Fat Grass had a great yep. burger. They had multiple beers on tap. I was yep. I was very impressed. Yeah, I sang karaoke there on Wednesday or Saturday against my will. Um, what did you think, What did you sing? Well, so they drugged me up for one song. I'd literally never heard of it before, so I was kind of winging it. And then the second song was Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Mm. Uh, I, I will say this. This is, this is the worst take that I have. I like Toby Keith. Um, and while that song has a lot of, uh, let's say, I don't know, connotations that can be positive or negative, uh, it's kind of Normative implications do. is how I would sure. say it. Normative implications. Sure. I would say that it is a very fun song to do for karaoke. I did not pick it, but... I went up there and, you know, when you see American girls and American guys, you're, you're going to go and you're going to belt it. So it was, it was all right, man. My, my karaoke song, because you asked, is Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man. Oh, that's awesome. It's short. It's like two minutes. You don't have to carry a tone to do it. And it just no. brings the house down every time. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is a uh, uh, shout out a- to Wayne. Wayne at the poop deck is our, is the, is our man. Uh, the karaoke guy in college for me. Good, good friend of mine, Wayne at the poop deck. Okay, mine. This will stop no one. Mine is Poncho and Lefty, but uh, yeah, that that apparently wasn't an option that night. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I I can't sing, so karaoke is always a little tough for me. I get that, it, and what I doing? also cannot sing. You've yeah. heard me. I've heard a voice of radio. Um, this I don't is know, a, Grant. We're just this is a football podcast. We're just letting life happen. Uh, <laughs> well, look, TCU had a pretty good weekend. Pretty good, uh, pretty good game. I, I I did a monologue on on Monday night, I guess that was about it. And Grant, my only regret with that is that I did not have a glass of scotch and sit in a sit back in a chair and have a cigar and talk about TCU because I was just you know reminiscing, speaking into the night. And uh, but hopefully everybody uh, everybody enjoyed that. And we recapped that, and we're gonna look forward uh, tonight. We're yes. gonna look forward to the Cal Golden Bears, Grant. I'm going to say Cheez-It Bowl one time on this podcast just okay. to say we're not going to say Cheez-It Bowl on this podcast. Nope. Damn it, I said Cheez-It Bowl twice, and now I said it three times. But we're not going to say it again. <laughs> no, we're not. Because uh, these are two very different teams from that game. And uh, it's, it's going to be a, a really interesting game. I, so I – did you watch that game live, Cal Nevada? The Cheez-It Bowl? No, Cal, no, Cal versus Nevada. Oh, Cal versus Nevada. No, I speed ran it later. Okay, so did I. Um, but I watched pretty much every offensive snap from both teams, and I was uh, intrigued. I think cert- I don't know if I was intrigued so much as I was taken by surprise. I think, in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, it wasn't exactly. I, I expected it to go different. Now, granted, they held 
a, 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 they held a very good offense to not that many points, but I was not expecting, uh, the game to go this way, especially given the, the lead that Cal jumped out to. Yeah. I mean, for those that didn't watch 22 to 17, Nevada, Cal had a 14, nothing lead by the end of the first quarter. Uh, and then they just kind of stopped doing things. They had a max win probability of 88.9, and they said, you know what? We'll round up and go home. Yeah. What uh, Nevada's quarterback, Carson Strong, is that his name? Yes. Sounds like an adult film star. He threw every single pass off his back foot the entire game, and somehow Nevada won. So did Uh, did Brett Favre. Are you saying saying Brett Favre's bad? No, no. I had a fat head of Brett Favre. Uh, It didn't stick stick to the walls, and we had to get rid of it about a week after Christmas. But I did have a fat head of Brett Favre. Um, no, it was, it was just a really weird game. Um, okay, b- before we go into Cal, I'm curious, and I don't want to put you on the spot. What is your opinion of Justin Wilcox? You know that, what is it, the, the, every, well, every, every Mark Twain quote is a fake Mark Twain quote, but the rumors of my demise are greatly, what am I thinking of? That the one's real. Uh, yeah, the rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. I, I, I like Mark Twain, so, yeah. Rumors of Justin Wilcox's greatness have been greatly demised. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. It doesn't work dramatically, but you know what He's fine. He runs an interesting offense, but I, I think he gets a little um, Aurora credit. He gets a little, mm-hmm. you, you're, you've been in this stratosphere. They haven't ever really been annoying under Justin Wilcox. Um, yeah, and so, so if you look at Cal and you look at their defense, they're good, and he's a name that, he's a name that you respect, and, and he, has had some he's had some good teams, he's had some okay teams, but overall I just I just don't think that he is someone who has succeeded at a high level. I mean not not that I don't think that. That's very true he hasn't. But I mean like if you look at their record year over year, he he's never won 10 games. Um, no. Their best season was 8 and 5 in in 2019 and that was a year that you know the Pac-12 was just an absolute disaster. So he's really not that much better than Sonny Dykes just granted he didn't yeah. go 1 and 11 to start out. The, the, I, I think their defensive reputation precedes them. So he he probably has a really good mind and you know looking at some of the clinics and stuff that you can you can see about him, he's he's good but I don't think he's in the Patterson sphere. I think Aranda is is not in the Patterson sphere but Aranda's in a different sphere than than Wilcox for instance. Yeah. Yeah, I think Wilcox is like the example as to why Brent Venables doesn't want to be a head coach. He, he certainly is a um, a good example to cite and say, I don't want that to be me. Right, exactly. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I would put Aranda over I would Wilcox as a defensive mind. Um, I, I do like what Wilcox runs. I think it's really interesting, and, and we'll get into that later. But I totally agree with you. He he his his reputation almost kind of gives him an advantage in that. Hey, well, at least Cal's going to be. Almost a, a um, anomaly in the Pac-12. It's like, hey, you know, we're the defensive team that's going to hold everyone to 21 points. Where Oregon and all, you know, uh, Arizona, all these teams are running, you know, spread offense and stuff like that. Stanford being the exception there with their, you know, caveman offense. But I, I just, I, I don't, I don't buy it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I'm not going to come here and be like, oh, actually, they're bad. I'm just going to say they're they're not like this sneakily great program. They're they're pretty much, you know, the Hey, eight and five is our ceiling, right? That's that's kind of that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, it is, um, and, and and that's the thing too is like, is, is for Cal that's pretty good. I think Cal's not, you know, I mean, over the last couple of decades, it's not like they've been challenging for Rose Bowl bids. I think it's really funny how they've kind of branded themselves well because 
I can say two words and make you think of entirely different things. So if we're talking about a university and I say cow, that's entirely different than if I talk about a university and I say Berkeley. And those are, those are the same places. And uh, football and doesn't uh, football football and, and Berkeley don't exactly seem like they no. go together. But And this is a point that I think Spencer Hall, who we can now call a friend of the podcast because he appeared on the podcast, made on Twitter, which is that Cal sneakily puts so many good players into the NFL. You're like, hey, what the hell? Um, right on on multiple sides of the ball, um, yeah. all, all all two of them uh, as they're as they're <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but you know, think Aaron Rodgers, think Marshawn Lynch, um, a bunch of defensive guys whose names will escape me. Uh, all, all these guys played a Cal, and, and somehow it hasn't translated to success, uh, at least on the college level. And so, Wilcox has certainly, I would say, implemented the type of football that he wants to play in Berkeley. Uh, I just don't know if it's worked. Yeah, they've, they've definitely been limited on offense, but that's definitely a little bit by design where he said, I I mean, we care about the defense primarily. They, they really haven't looked good generally. Um, I think I'd probably just read some stats if that's all right, uh, just to kind of put some numbers on what we're talking yeah. about. So like last year, they were 89th overall in EPA margin, 92nd on offense, 77th on defense. Granted, they played four games. I'm not, you know, their defense is better than 77th. Um, but they, they really were a team that just didn't excel at anything. And there were some issues, you know, some people were wondering, Hey, is it because quarterback's not here? And, and he's, you know, Garber's had some issues, but, uh, today we were talking about on the bet us show, Chase Garber's was seven and zero as a starter at one point. And that was a meme. Uh, just remembering yeah. that he, he, he was a guy who was potentially, um, very good. And, and perhaps that's, that's not the case. Yeah. Do you want to get into that? Because I was looking at the stats, Parker, and here's a stat for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I love it. Okay. I love stats. Of the almost 100 quarterbacks to attempt at least 30 passes in the first week, or the first two weeks even, Chase Garbers has the seventh lowest average depth of target. That's not good. No. Now, the funny part is two of them are JT Daniels and Will Rogers. That are below. Which is <laughs> JT Daniels with unbelievably, unbelievably low. Like three, yeah. like comically low. Comically low. And they still won that game. But Chase Garber's average depth of target against Nevada was 5.6 yards. Yeah. Th- that, I think, was trying to go death by a thousand cuts on both sides of the ball. Um. Their offensive coordinator, uh, Bill Musgrave, is like a big NFL guy, and so they don't run. They they run a an offense that is pro style, simply in that he's a pro guy. Um, he has a, a great pedigree. I looked this up because I just like to Google, you know, what what weird fact or whatever. Offensive coordinator. He helped mentor three quarterbacks to the Pro Bowl seasons: Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, and Steve Berline. <laughs> The Burline one made me laugh. I was like, all right, well, cool, man. Like, uh. <laughs> um, I just want to say that uh, Bill Musgrave did not put Steve Burline in the Pro Bowl. God did. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I guarantee when, when Bill Musgrave was like filling out his resume, he was looking at it like, do I put the Burline thing on there? I'm going to leave that off. That's not necessary. Um, I'm okay with that. Editorial decisions can uh, be up to you. Yes. Right yeah, exactly. Um Okay, well, so it's interesting that you mentioned that, and I don't want to get too far ahead of us here, but we might as well just launch into it. Yeah, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about the offense that Cal runs, and it, it is pro style at points, but 
what I noticed and what I'm writing about in the preview is that I don't think it quite knows what it wants to be because it has a lot of pro style concepts while trying to mix in a lot of, you know, gun heavy kind of college concepts. And it, what, it, what it looks like is a bunch of people right around the ball. Um, so your, your tight ends, your, your slot wide receivers are within two or three yards at a line of scrimmage. And I have a lot of screen grabs from this game in the preview, which will go up tomorrow, where Cal on offense does not know how to use space. And they want to use the pass to set up the run, but in the game against Nevada, Garbers threw, what, 38 passes, and they only ran the ball 27 times. So I don't necessarily know what it is they're trying to do on offense, and they certainly didn't show any proof of concept against Nevada. What's interesting there, Grant, I, I had that noted, and I think that's a good point. If you look at their run versus pass EPA, they were negative 0.102 EPA on the pass, positive 0.348 EPA on the rush. So like Grant, you know, rushing EPA is normally negative because it's really hard when you rush a lot to get a lot of positive value there. And and they really only got positive value. I think number four more was kind of the mm-hmm. guy who, who got a lot of those. The other thing I noticed too is um, I, I haven't decided philosophically, uh, which philosophically is the favorite word of the, uh, of the, mm-hmm. the purple theory podcast lately. I haven't decided whether spreading the ball around is a good or a bad thing for college offenses, but I think I'm landing on it's kind of bad because it means you don't have a guy who's going to take over. Okay. And so they had 37 targets or 37 attempted passes. And uh, excuse me, I think the phrase is aimed passes. And they had one, two, three, four, five, six guys with at least three targets, five guys with at least four. Uh, and so they really split the ball around, but their halfbacks, two two halfbacks combined for nine catches. There were some checkdowns too. They really didn't have anything that they were. Again, if they had an identity, you would think, okay, this one guy is going to be the guy who gets the ball and and moves it. But again, looking at yards, uh, they, they the yards and the targets didn't line up either. Yeah, well, and here's the thing, Parker. I mean, they averaged seven point one yards per carry on the ground. Um, so I wonder how many times the average yards per carry has been higher than the average depth of target for a quarterback yeah. that has thrown more than yeah. they ran. Uh, but, you're, but you're right in the passing game. I mean, you look at the wide receivers. Um, I, I, I mean, his leading target is a guy, or Garber's leading target is a guy named Nico Remigio. He had seven catches for 22 yards on nine targets. That's abysmal. Yeah, that's not, and, and, not great. And, no, and the thing is, they, they weren't all screens. I mean, I think he was. I think Garbers was ten of eleven over the middle of the field. It was uh, uh, shorter than ten yards. That was his, you know, largest category in passing. But they didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and, and, and so it, so that's when I say there's no proof of concept is because it, you know they tried a bunch of different stuff, but none of it worked. Right, and I don't think overall they're very. Uh, I mean, this is in line with what they were last year. You know, a hundred than passing EPA per play. Um, one thing I really noticed, and I noticed a little bit in this game as well, their their first down rate, Grant, so on early downs, first and second down, how often did you avoid third down, was 19.6. That was 120th in the nation last year. And in this game against Nevada, when I was looking at it, they would run on early downs. And when they could get a little bit of chunk or they could move the ball on first and second down, they, they'd be fine to pick up third downs. But Grant, 37.5% conversion on third downs. If they stumble at all on early downs... They are anemic. Um, and so I really think that if you can get them in third and long, I, I want to take my chances with Chase Garbers beating me. 
I do too. And here's the thing, and I noted this in the preview too. And I don't mean to give you know give away everything that I wrote, but it, this is just sort of an example. And I'm not going to say it's their entire offense, but there was a play with 4:56 to go in the second quarter, starting 11, and Cal had four guys run routes. Three of them were in seven-yard hooks on third and 11. That's not what you want. So either yeah. you don't trust your, your redshirt senior quarterback to throw more than five yards down the field, or you don't have wide receivers that can go make plays. Either way, it's not really a potent offense. And that's how I would like TCU to think about this game is we, we're going to be more talented than them on offense uh, or on offense versus defense, right? I guess that's where we're starting. We have to tackle. So think about guys like Jamoy Hodge, TJ Carter, Bud Clark, all who are excellent but haven't been, uh, you know, don't have as much game experience in the system. Tackling is going to be in the open field is going to be a really big issue because if we can just put the lid, we, I'm a part of the defense, if, if TCU can just put the lid on that and say, you're right, you can have a three-yard gain all night long in the passing game, we'll take our chances, then what you can do is – really, really shut down any kind of yards after the catch, any kind of, uh, you know, expected explosive play. And no. I think that's going to be yeah. the key thing there is, is kind of, can I just make sure that the, the, the passing game doesn't get a stupid play and then can we stop the run? Yeah, and I don't mean to be mean, but if Nevada can do it, at least in a passing game, you'd like to think TCU with a really talented defensive secondary can do it. Um I looked at pressure. I mean, Nevada got a little bit of pressure on Cal, um, and and certainly uh, uh, I can't I can never remember the quarterback's name because Garbers. I, I want to say Gardner all the time. Anyway, uh, Garbers didn't do well when blitzed. Uh, he, he's not the most mobile of fellas, though he does give it a, a game effort. I would say, but um, it, TCU should be able to shut down this passing game with relative ease. It's not like anything they see in the Big Twelve. No, not not at all. Um, <laughs> You, <laughs> this is mean. We're gonna be mean. Uh, Chase Garber's forty time. I, I oh no. It's honestly not as bad. I'm giving away the game a little bit. This is out of high school. Four point eight. Oh, that's not terrible. Breaking five is fine. Yeah, for a quarter, that's not terrible. Yeah, um, I'm not. You know, I'm not a. I, listen, he can beat I, me. He can beat me. I nice. can't run a four eight. I thought you were going to say like five five, but anyway, but yeah. um, I think the thing to talk about here is is the rushing game. I think that yes. that's going to be the big issue. One, I will say, um, TCU's interior defensive line is going to be much better than it was last year, just sure. by default, and the fact that we're um, how can I say this diplomatically? The third string players are on the third string of the roster this year instead of on the yep. first string of the roster. Uh, last week, Cal had a forty two percent success rate when they were rushing. Um, and they really switched, you know, standard downs, passing downs, 48% on standard downs, 38 on passing downs. So again, if you push them into a situation where they have to uh, convert a third and long, they're not, they're going to abandon the run and they're going to have to, um, they're, they're going to struggle to pass, pass long there. So I think that you couple that with the fact that TCU's defensive ends are, are going to be pretty disruptive against an offensive line that's, that's not spectacular. And I would not be surprised if Cal didn't score a touchdown this game. Ooh, I like that. Um, I'll push back a bit because I, I don't necessarily hate Cal's O-line. I, I would c- categorize them as 
fine to above average. Certainly not elite. I'm not going to say that, but I, I think they did at least push Nevada around for what it's worth. Um, I also think with that offense that Cal runs, as tight as it is up front, they're they're able to get a little bit of push, right, and able to kind of secure some so, some you know blocking and some space up the middle. They had one wrinkle that I really liked. Um, they use motion blocking really well when they bring in a wide receiver or a tight end, and they're able to kind of seal off uh, outside can guys. I flag, or, can I flag that for a second? Oh, please. I, I beg you. That's super interesting. Grant, I want to flag that for a second, that motion blocking, Grant, because uh, who else on TCU's schedule does that? Well, uh, uh, doesn't Oklahoma? Right? I mean, Oklahoma their run does. crazy. They, yeah. Their run game is insane, and they're pulling guys and everything. They're usually using like a true, a more traditional tight end. Last year, Iowa State had a blocking wide receiver in Dylan Sonner. They, oh, they, yeah, they yeah, kind of yeah. do that with the guy who's a little more versatile. I mean, he's technically a tight end, but still he's not that big. And and I really think that, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk about Wilcox and Aranda and, you know, it's being good to see that defense. But it's good to see an offense that kind of works in the same way. Yeah, I would agree. And Iowa State's, I'll be honest, I think they have more talent on offense, right? And I think, Cam, I, I think they have a better play caller. Um, because I really was not impressed with what Cal did last night, especially considering the success they were having with the run versus the lack of success they were having with the pass. But you're right. I mean, the principles are, are very similar, even with the you know, the sort of bigger fronts. Uh, you're the terminology guy, not me. Uh, I was trying to figure out what to call it on my column. I was calling it a, a heavy front, or but it's not a heavy front, or you know, whatever. But um, it, it's yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, um, well, I mean, they, they I don't know, because I'm, I'm bad at, like, are they using a jumbo front? Are they using bunch? Whatever. I I, I know enough terminology to be dangerous, because I don't actually know anything. <laughs> what's the, uh, oh, what's the, um, is it Dunning-Kruger effect? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, as soon as you learn a little, you think you know a lot. But then yeah, once you exactly. know a lot, you know you, you only know a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... I. They're interesting. The The running attack really is what worries me because I think TCU is going to try and play rush for rush. Um, and so will they be able to stop the running attack is going to be what really, really comes back to that. So um, Damian Moore, number four, he had 14 carries last year or last week, 79 yards. He averaged 0.35 EPA per play. Um, he had, he had a, a success rate upwards of 70%. He was very efficient and Nevada just didn't have an answer for him. They just couldn't get, couldn't get anything going no. in the second half. Yeah. And so I think that's really the key is I want to take away more and I want to yeah. make them beat me with chase Garbers. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally fine with them trying to pass their way to a win, especially with the secondary that TCU has. I, I mean, Cal's successes were a lot on kind of one of, uh, you know, 1v1 plays uh, on go routes down the field. And again, there weren't a whole lot of successes down the field. Um, I, I think they only had two passes over 20 yards. Uh, but I'm confident with, you know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson winning that battle versus Cal's wide receivers, for example. Yes. Uh, again, of course, looking at whether we got a, we got an update yesterday that Noah Daniels might not be ready, which to me means he is not ready. No. And so there might be some opportunities for some, you know, underdeveloped guys to get a baptism by fire. You know, well, listen, I, yeah, I was going to say something mean, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I think if, if there's a game where Noah Daniels isn't going to play, it doesn't bother me that that game is Cal. 
Yes, really I think does. I'm more worried next next week about Reggie Roberson. Oh, God, the yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to have to be multiple and, and figure that out. So um, not next week, two weeks, by week, whatever. But yeah, so so I, I think this Cal team is is kind of offensively challenged and not so much in the way of TCU where, you know, TCU is offensively challenged because they were running an aggressively bad scheme and they had injuries and they had this really conservative style of play. I really do believe that Cal is just designed poorly uh, – to execute yeah, it, something poorly. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. There is talent. Again, I think Moore is a good running back. Um, I do think the offensive line is fine. I also don't know how good Garbers is because I think he's in a system that completely does not test him at all. Um, I mean, if you're yeah. only throwing five yards down the field, I don't know what that means. I don't think Nevada was taking away his first look. If his first look is five yards down the field and that's what he's supposed to do, then, I mean, you know, you can't blame the kid. I don't know. Yeah, but – um. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about the Cal offense. I would say. Yeah. I, I, again, I tweeted this out yesterday. I, I really see a world where TCU comes out and wins this game pretty convincingly, but yeah. it'll depend a lot on what the TCU offense one wants to do, two can do, and three decides SMU might and SMU and Texas might look right. at. Um, it's wild, Grant. Next week's next week is the bye week. That's it this season. Yeah, that's. Excuse me, that sucks. It sucks. Yeah. That's, um, it is yeah. super not great. No. And so this game, I think, is really important because, dude, there's no more reps after this, man. We're playing games yeah. after the Cal game. It's the, uh, it's, it's the Ricky Bobby. I play for keeps. I play exactly. For keeps. If, we had an, if we had an intern listening to this podcast, I would tell him to pull that clip of me saying, yes. there's no more reps, we're playing games. Because that's a football quote right there. I love that. <laughs> if you'd like to apply to be an intern for the Purple 3 podcast, submit your resume. Uh, to at stats uh, more on Twitter. Um, okay, do you want to talk about the Cal defense? Because I'm fascinated. I do. I do. So I, the Cal defense is 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 good. Um, yes. Last year they were 77th. You know, 0.9 EPA allowed, 64th against the rust, 89th against the pass. If you look at their games, like UCLA, Oregon State, Stanford, Oregon, they they played a week 11, 12, 13, 14. So not only did they play a very short uh, schedule and a very few number of games. Unlike a lot of teams who played short schedules, they played them back to back. They had no cancellations. They just had the short, the short schedule. So mm-hmm. a really tough team um, defensively, they have, you know, a, a bunch of guys who I think are really, really exciting on the defense. So like Deng, for instance, led the team in tackles last year, negative 6.93 EPA Hicks, uh, came in right behind that. He had he had ten stops uh, in in four games, and so I, I think that there's a couple guys here, a couple names that are interesting. But the big thing for me is is this is the Aranda scheme. Whoever you want to attribute it to, um, generally this is the idea that TCU is playing a, a trial run of the Baylor defense. Yeah, and, and I think so. In the Aranda scheme, right? We talk about how important that star role or that um, you know whatever role Jalen Petrie plays. Right, it, how, how important that is in the defense. When I watched the Nevada game, Parker, the role that stuck out to me was, and he only played 22 snaps, but Miles Williams playing deep safety, and, and whoever yeah. the deep safety was. Um, that, to me, was sort of the biggest difference maker in the game. I mean, Williams had the pick where he ran pretty much all the way across the field and intercepted that pass uh, at the goal line. But the way Wilcox coached that defense in the way he called plays is that there was so much cover one where there's one guy that's got to make a play deep in the backfield. 
And if those corners are on an island, they're kind of screwed. And I, I, I think we saw that a couple times uh, during the Nevada game. Can I tell you, I hear the Jaws music in the back of my head right now. Because uh-huh. I'm like, oh man, I'd love for you guys to play a single safety all night. I'm daring um, you to play a single safety all night. I, I want wrong? you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- yeah, and, and, and okay, so I, I'm going to turn this into a segment more about the TCU offense because that's what sure. I always do. But generally, I think that it's it's really crazy to... I'm so worried about this interception, Grant. I'm so worried that that is going to be kind of the idea that, oh, Duggan threw an interception against Duquesne, and now we have to just dry the offense up entirely and we can't run it. That's what I'm worried about, and I think that plays entirely into Cal's hands. Because let me tell you, I want to left hook, right hook with with Savion and QJ. Absolutely. If you're going to play single high and we're going to play one-on-one, we are going to take five yards a pop. Yep, and, and gladly do it. And, and I think there are ways that Nevada showed where even if it's not uh, Williams and Johnston, I mean, so Cal put a lot of their faith in a guy, uh, Mo Iosefa, I think it's his name, it's a linebacker, number 55. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, I was all ready to credit him because he made a, he had a great sack and kind of a delayed blitz early in the game, but he, he made a good play. But he made the wrong decision in coverage. I'm not going to say every time, but a lot. Over the middle of the field. Yeah. When they ran these bunch routes and, and you kind of have that trail route coming over the middle, uh, or even the, you know, the second guy in the bunch that kind of runs the, the skinny post, and those routes were open uh, because he either miscommunicated you know, or whatever, just, just didn't cover the guy. It was a step slow. Uh, th- that's available. And we know Max Duggan's strength. One of his strengths is throwing over the middle of the field. So if, if only, Grant, if only there was a play specifically designed – to put that player in conflict <laughs> and make him choose. <laughs> would it be called, what I don't option know, mesh? Would maybe be called, call, I don't know. But. You could call it mesh. You could do a run pass option. Let's just go through the middle of the field. I think I actually said that on Monday. I didn't see mesh uh, on uh, this weekend. I don't think we saw I really ran it. Damn. Because uh, Meacham, I forget, loves that three by one stuff. So we're looking yeah, at yeah. A, a single RPO or like an RPO yeah. bubble. So the, the, the glance RPO is going to be more towards a safety. And if they're playing single high, we're probably not running it. Sure. Um, but if there's a bubble RPO, that's like, oh, hey, are you running a 3-3 and one of your guys is coming? Guess who Guess who we're coming right at? Yeah, you could guess, choose. You want Evans <laughs> or you want to go out there? Yeah, guess who's coming to dinner? Um, and, and again, the thing is, too, even if – because this I'm giving away my, the, 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 um, the preview again, but – I based it all around space, right? So on the offense, Cal is very tightly packed. On the defense, they are spread out across the field, and they are really trying to maximize that space. Um, that puts corners on the island a lot, even though Cal does run a lot of zone over the middle of the field. Both of Cal's starting corners, uh, Colin Gamble, and I'm going to mispronounce his last uh, his name, uh, Anusian, I think I looked it up, uh, both edge corners, got beat for over 40 yards in that game. Just one-on-one, yeah. and, 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 uh, and Williams wasn't – I mean, he was a step slow because he's because he plays so far back. Do you remember that meme? It's that uh, Michigan safety, Jordan Taylor, maybe, or the guy that made that awesome one-handed interception. There's that meme of him like in outer space, lined up on the field. That's how that deep safety was. So it was Williams or uh, Hicks or whoever. Um, and so there are going to be times when they can't make it over to help in one-on-one coverage. And those corners got burnt by Nevada's wide receivers. And again, not to downplay the Wolfpack, but I mean, QJ and, and Savion can make that play. Absolutely. And Grant, even if they can't, if they can just take guys back, 
Exactly. We have Spielman and Davis and Barber all underneath that are going to be great. Or I've heard, I've heard um, not I have heard, I don't have sources. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the depth chart. Spivey is going to be yeah. uh, potentially playing out at the Y, kind of what with Pro Duels did. So maybe we'll see him kind of be as that, that bigger tight end in, in, inside guy who can get some of those routes. I think there's a real opportunity here to kind of play with levels and understand what we're working with. This week, again, I'm not as concerned that TCU is not going to win the game, right? I'm more concerned that TCU is is not going to do enough to figure out what what they need from their offense this this week. So, yeah, I don't know if that's getting ahead of myself. I don't want to get off of the Cal. We can, I want to keep no, talking no, about I, Cal well, defense because I think they're... No, I, I know what you mean. What I wanted to say to, to that was that I assume what you mean is that you're worried about how much TCU is going to play it safe, run the ball, kind of run just very base pass plays. I, I will say Cal against the, the run, their solution with all the space they have in the defensive backfield and at the linebacker level is just play a really tight front um, with a 3-4 or, or, or yeah, a 2 down, and, depending on the scenario. And what I would do is just say, I'll let you choose. Like, we're going to run – and let Max yeah. side. And hey, if they run a light box, we'll take numbers. That's great. That yeah. could be a really good confidence booster for the offensive line. Because um, again, I don't, I don't think there's really a lot of disruption on the line here. Um, Nevada was only pressured on 18% of, of dropbacks last week. But again, yeah. Grant, they run the air raid, so they're getting the ball out quickly. But I really don't think that, that Cal's pass rush is what I'm worried about. And with a three down front, it's not. Um, I think what I'm worried about here is is spacing issues and timing issues. Yep. It would be my hope that we would uh, get a little bit more of let's get Duggan in rhythm. I liked it last week when they said let's hit let's hit yeah. stick a couple times. Let's yeah. hit a little glance. Um, let's take a shot down the sideline. That's very low risk, uh, high, high payoff uh, to Savion. And so so if they can do stuff like that, where it's like look, let's get Max in the zone a little bit, and then what we can do is you know start to play these games of all right, all right, we don't want SMU to have everything on film, but. Sure. I, I really do think that Cal has a good defense. And if TCU plays this like a defensive matchup, we'll see a pitcher's duel. And if TCU says, man, it'd be a joy of my life to score 40 points on a good defense, I think they'll score 30. And that's <laughs> and that's cool, man. Like, I'm happy with that. Like, shoot, you know, Parker, I don't know if you've heard this before. Aim for the moon, because if you'll miss, you'll fall amongst the stars. Aim for 40, score 30, hold them to 7, win 30 to 7. I don't care. Exactly. It's, it, it's just it, I completely agree. There are avenues in this defense because this is my larger point. I, I think Wilcox, for everything we just bagged him about earlier, is a pretty decent defensive mind. I mean, I, I, I like watching this, his defense. I like watching the scheme. Um, and he does have some disruptors, but I do think there are weaknesses um, on that roster that TCU can exploit. Specifically, that middle linebacker, I think, is a really good yeah. pull um, to, to think about. Look, man, if we just get Max Duggan in a, you know, in a rhythm is a, is a cheap way to say that. Sure. Um, but realistically saying, like, if we could just come out and say, let's get the offense going. I, I'm, I'm excited about TCU being able to, to have, a, you know, a solid win that, that in retrospect, in the rearview mirror will probably look like, oh, we beat a pretty bad team. But at the time right now, I think could be exactly what the doctor ordered going into a bye week. Yeah, and like, okay, here's what, honestly, not to make a joke out of it and not to bury this kid, here's what I want. I want Max to get in the gun, look across the line of scrimmage, point at that linebacker and say, you, and then just make him make a call. Like, I, 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 want, I want this to be a lesson for Max in decision-making. 
Right? It's like, hey, you have the opportunity to make a lot of really good decisions. Go make them. And then I want him to walk across the sideline to Ed Henry and point at him and say, you're next. <laughs> that was a remember exactly the Titans right. joke. Remember the Titans was a movie that was made. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking Longest Yard, but sure, that works. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Uh, I think it's a common trope. Um, it's, uh, yeah, there are avenues for TCU to succeed on offense. Um, and, and sort of build upon, I mean, look, Max threw a pick in that Duquesne game. It was Duquesne, whatever. He also showed a lot of flashes. Momentum's not real, but this is a chance to build momentum with, hey, two decent, solid starts to start the year, hit the bye, and then you got SMU in Texas. Yes, with an offense that knows what it's doing. Right. Even if you don't run the full playbook, you're still saying, hey, let's let's flex our muscles. Grant, I, li- I like to lift weights a little bit. What do I do? Do I just walk in there and load up 900 pounds on the bar and lift weights? Well, yes, because I'm a badass, but realistically... What you people sta- do is... You stand in front of the mirror and you flex and then you take a picture exactly. on Instagram and then you go home. And you go home. Uh, is you, Look, man, you got you to do a couple sets with a bar, do a couple sets with one plate, do a couple sets with two plates. Then, you know, you start lowering your reps and do it with three plates. You got to work into it, man. You can't just dive into SMU and be like, we're going to get in a shootout and win. You, you got you to gotta flex those muscles a little bit. No, I completely agree. And this is also... <clears throat> so... This will also come down a little bit to coordinators, right? I mean, Mitch and McKill were basically running the offense at the end of last year. And, of course, they've had a spring and a fall to institute their system, whatever. And then they had Duquesne to say, all right, let's just make sure nothing's on fire. And like you said, Cal is the time for them to be like, all right, we're going to play some good defenses in the Bay 12. We're playing a good defense right now with a good defensive coordinator. I know we talked last week about, hey, you know what? We're going to nail five plays that we really like. Okay. This is the game where you say, hey, we're going to nail 15 plays that we really like. And we're going to kind of, you know, make sure we know that we have a repertoire we can use against, you know, the cream of the crop. Let's see what he does when we do this. And then we'll know. We'll know what adjustments to make, what Max wants to make, and what the offense is capable of making. Yeah, and so I think that's... um... That, that's really what it comes down to, again, is this is not an FCS game. TCU should not treat it like an no, FCS no, no, game. No, no. But TCU should treat this as an opportunity to get some reps against the guy. Look, you're, 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 this isn't, you know, you're sparring against, against your partner who you can beat. You're not, you know, you're not fighting a welterweight or whatever. You're not, you're not going, to gun, go, going to defend the belt right now. But you're like, hey, man, if I, this guy knows me. And if I take a, if I mess up, if I don't do what I need to do, we can get stuck. But we should handle this pretty pretty well. Yeah, I think so. And look, it, it's a P five win. I mean, you know, um, rankings are not real, but it's a P five win that helps. It doesn't it doesn't hurt. And again, no. I don't know that we're thinking playoff this season. Well, who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? TCU has had opportunities to compete nationally in the past that have been severely hampered by their. I'll say charitably decency and desire to not humiliate people that Gary Patterson respects. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't even necessarily want to humiliate Cal. Um, it'd be fun if we did, but I just want to, they I wanna, can't stop it. Yeah. I mean, I honestly like this is, um, this isn't necessarily a humiliation game. This is a, we are just better than you. That's what I want to see. We should win. This is a, we should win this solidly. And, and we're going to. Good. Listen, I, I, what, you know what the spread is for this game? 
11 and a half. I actually picked TCO there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, is that the spread's 11 and a half. Our goal should be to double the spread. If we win by 23, I'm, I'm very happy with that. That would be great. That would be huge, I think. Um, a couple of things, Grant, before we get off a of cow and get into a, uh, a um, get into picks or anything, a couple of things that I look at that I'm I, I just experimenting with a couple of different stats this year in the sense of can I can I get my numbers to be more aligned with football? And so um, one thing that I really like to look at is yards after and yards before contact. Okay. And so Damian Moore averaged 5.3 yards per attempt against Nevada on Saturday, but he averaged 3.27 yards after contact. That would have been like best in the Big 12, right? Yeah. So that's he's getting hit at two yards, and then he's going another three after that on average. Again, there's you know big plays, whatever. But I think that that's something that TCU really, really can work on with the with the four two five. That is, if if Blacklock, no, I wish Blacklock was playing. If if Bentley can clog up the middle and Hodge slash Harris or D Winters can fit the hole, that should be less than a less than a two yard gain every time if if Nevada's there. So that that'll be something to look at as yards after contact, just because Nevada was. Uh, I mean, he, he more forced four, four missed tackles on 15 attempts. That's almost one in three, right? Yeah. And yeah. And so TCU is saying, look, man, we are, we are doing – we're not doing a missed tackle every every three attempts. That's, no, that's no, not no. going to happen. I think that they can absolutely shut more down. Uh, the other thing I look at is the um, uh, like ADOT versus yards per catch, which is kind of like a measure of explosiveness. Sure. And again, Garber's A dot was so small, right? But if you look at, I mean, Jeremiah Hunter was the second guy behind, uh, in terms of yards per reception, Jeremiah Hunter led. He had five targets, 17.5 yards per reception, but his A dot was 22.8. So they were, they were taking a shot now and then, but they didn't ever hit it. Right. Um, and so it's like, all right, we know we can shut down the deep threat. And then you look at the rest of these guys, and it's an A dot of eight for Crawford. 16 yards per reception. It's an eight out of 7.6 for Trevon Clark, 8.8 yards per se- uh, reception, 3.5 for Monroe Young, and he averaged seven. That gets into the kind of the inside slot guys. And so if you look at these A dots, you see that Garbage is just getting rid of the ball and then they were missing tackles and getting kind of bigger plays or they were getting the ball in space short and running for a little bit. So I think that most of, not I think that, objectively this happened, most of their yards came kind of after contact, after a player got there. That's something I talked about on Monday with the Duquesne game for TCU. You think about that De Mercado run where he kind of got caught in the backfield and then just yeah. said, no, I'm a power five player. Sorry, I'm not going to get tackled here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run 11 yards down the field and then you could tackle me. To some extent, Cal had a little bit of an issue of if Nevada had made the first tackle on the first contact – uh, yeah, I would have been in a way worse way than they were. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I mean, I know you mentioned the receivers, but Moore especially is a really slippery running back. I mean, you watch that game, and he, he was breaking tackles. He was making moves. And I'll use a football guy term here. He was falling forward even to where, you know, they didn't they made the tackle, but they didn't wrap up. And he got two or three extra yards just by keeping his momentum and going forward. Um, TC wraps up. That's a completely different ball game. Or sorry, I mean, if, if Nevada wraps up, and then if TC wraps up this game, that that, that is taken away, is what I mean. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's really. Um, 
where it comes down is 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 can TCU just look? They know what they should do. Can they hit the first hole? Can they can they wrap up? Can they take care of business? And I mean, I, I would bet that they can. Um, you know what? Let's one do, would like to ahead. think. You one would like to think. Um, do you want to do Big Twelve lines, and then we'll give a little best case, worst case. Ooh, I like that. It's like a spicy little detour. Yeah, yeah. I, I was Grant, are you programming? Are you trying to make this into a real podcast? Because if this turns into anything more than me having a beer and talking <laughs> football, you're gonna have to talk to my agent, man. <laughs> um, okay, Parker. This is this is this is actually what, what I wanted to talk about. We, we, I don't care about TCU Cal. Iowa State Iowa is a top ten game. Okay, I'm contractually obligated to say that I'm not giving out my official pick for this because you'll hear my official pick tomorrow on the BetUS live show. Correct. What line What line do you have right now? I have Iowa State favored by four and a half. You have Iowa plus four and a half in No, this. no, no. Iowa State minus four and a half. Right. Either, same. Favorite. Yes. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, no, I'm saying Iowa gets four points. Yes. That's more than a field goal. Yeah. I'm leaning that way. I, I, I think this is the year where Iowa State says, hey, F you. Like, we are not, do, would, we are not doing this anymore. Like, I, like, it would this make is, sense because they had such an yeah. awful game yesterday. Such an awful game yeah, or last week. Yeah, no, it was not pretty. But I, I think this is the, the, the year where like, dude, we are so tired of losing this godforsaken game. It by the score of nine to six or what the hell ever that they win by I don't know like like thirty to seventeen or something. Yeah, so if you think about the last like uh, what two thousand nineteen they lost by one and there was a punt that was just like so unfortunate. They lost their opener last year to Louisiana because of just some dumb special teams play like that. They got outplayed, but they should have won and, and been like, darn, we 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 should have done better. If they can just avoid the dramatic play, I will say Indiana is was getting not as not not the same degree of love that Iowa State has been getting, but the same amount of love, like the number of love, not the intensity of love of Iowa State. And Iowa shut them the freak down. I wish I had better words for that. Let me pull up this box score for this. Um, Dude. So Iowa, Iowa, uh, Iowa, Indiana, thirty-four to six. Expected score: Iowa twenty-two point three to Indiana negative twenty-two point five. Oh, Christ! Iowa average field position thirty-three point eight. Indiana twenty-five point five. Things that make me nervous: echo ratio only thirty percent for Iowa. They they really didn't have many quality possessions. They had negative EPA per pass, negative EPA per rush. Their offense isn't good, but their defense might be really good. Yeah, it, it might. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, I. I this is a complete. I have a feeling, uh, pick. But I I I am picking Iowa State to cover. Uh, you know, at Iowa. Is it, it's, wait, is it in Ames or at Iowa? No, it's in Ames. It's in Ames? Oh, game. yeah. Oh, shoot. It is game day. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State's winning this game. I I think so. I think that they, they would rather it be a night game. I will say, uh, before I make my vaunted pick, they th- this is a slap in the face from ESPN. Game day is good. Objectively, game day is good. This is kind of like 2017 is it 17 
when it was West Virginia TCU game day? Uh, that was, yeah. uh, yes, it was. And what that says at that point in time is like, we want to cash in on this like Cinderella status of Iowa State and how much we like them, but we are not going to put any faith in them being around for Oklahoma or TCU or Texas for us to go do game day there. Like, Yeah, that's fair. But, but also, I, I, I personally think Iowa, Iowa State deserves to be played at some ungodly hour. Like, if they could play it at 8 a.m., I think it'd be the best time for that game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like they should have a, uh, a a wings eating contest among the offensive lines at Friday that goes until like 11 o'clock and then they should play the game at 8 a.m. No, I think they should kick off after the wing eating contest. But yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just yeah, keep yeah. it rolling. Right. Just keep it rolling. Um, okay, Parker, what's your pick? If I get four and a half, uh, I think BetUS had it at five and a half, which I'm taking. I think I'm taking Iowa with the points. But I think that Iowa State wins this narrowly. Okay. I'm taking Iowa State, as I said. Yeah. Uh, the mojo. I think the mojo matters. Yeah. I, I do. Um, okay. Texas, Arkansas. Finding the line. What quick. number do you have for that? Yeah. Sorry. I, I've been looking at numbers and they're all different. I just don't remember. Just whatever number you yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, Hold on. Sorry. My, my, uh, my preferred app of choice that doesn't pay us is – okay. Um, I have Texas – Don't say their name. I'll get fired. No, I know. Oof. Whoa. Uh, I know. Mm. Uh, I have Texas by seven. Okay, Texas minus seven. Yeah, that 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 that. I feel like Texas wins this game pretty handily. I wanted, I, I wanted Arkansas to be more fun than they are. I think that KJ Jefferson isn't bad, but they still have a lot of work to do. The defense, um, Brandon Carter, no, Sam Carter. Brandon Carter is on offense. Sam Carter is a TCU defensive player. Sam Carter is the coach there. Uh, oh, corner. I think sorry. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's fun. Barry Odom knows what he's doing on on offense uh, or on defense. Texas looked fine against Louisiana. I, I tweeted out a clip today. There was a couple plays that were interesting from what Texas did, but then there was a couple plays where their offensive line just got stuffed. Mm-hmm. And then one like that Bijan Robinson wheel route touchdown was great, but it was illegal motion. So Sark doesn't care. He doesn't care. Look, if they if well, okay, take that back. If the referee doesn't call it, it's not a penalty. So right, right exactly, out. yeah. But generally, I think that um, I think that Texas should win this. I think Texas is going to be pretty good this year. I think I think Hudson Cards, I think Hudson Cards good man. I think yeah, he's good. I know. I think he is too. Um, yeah, I have Texas. If you look at, I, I did this little. I'm trying to plug my stuff better. I'm trying to be better at this. I, I do the quarterback list, right? Yep. I'm doing that this year. And uh, Hudson Card moved way up on it. And if I can find this exact number to make this sound more intelligent than I than I am, here we go. Hudson Card now is I, I have him at eighth overall. Grant, I made this tiny little model that was like accuracy based on depth of target, pressure, um, counted for drops and everything. And Hudson Card was plus 18 in that metric. So he was 18 percentage points better on completion percentage than you would think. So I think Hudson Card's pretty good. I, I think that Sark knows enough about offense and Texas has a talent advantage. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Texas was better against Lafayette than I thought they were going to be. Um, so... I, yeah, I'm totally fine with taking Texas there, um, even though it would be very funny if Arkansas Would love to be wrong. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I would absolutely love to be wrong. So I think I pegged this next game as the meanest game uh, on the schedule in college football. But Parker, on Friday night at 6.30, with the eyes of the nation upon them, the Kansas Jayhawks go to Coastal Who is paying who? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Coastal is at 25, 
and a half point. I believe it, man. They looked pretty good. Granted, they're playing the Citadel, but uh, they, they looked pretty good, and they looked like the offense is still humming. I, look, man, good for Kansas. Storm the field. I don't care. College football, life is for the living. You're awful. Yeah. Don't storm the field every time you win an FCS game, but, you know, you hadn't won since 2019, so I, I think that uh, Coastal's going to win this pretty handily. 22 is a lot. I guess we're not doing lines, but 22 is a lot, man. So who knows what, you know, 25. Coastal. I said 25, man, but I, I'm still taking – I think I'm that's s- fair. I'm still Coastal, Coastal will, uh, you know, Co- Coastal will score, and I'm sure they'll turn off the brakes or turn on the brakes pretty quickly, but I, I think they should handle Kansas for sure. Friday night makes this fun and weird. I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I mean, I'll be at a football game, but, yeah, I'm not going to watch this. Um Oklahoma State plays Tulsa, plays host to Tulsa. They are 13-point favorites. I saw that the weather is supposed to be ridiculous, like 100 degrees and 20-mile straight-line winds. <laughs> well, I don't know if you heard this, Parker. Oklahoma is where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Yeah, evidently, that was not just poetic license. That was real. Um, yeah, I... I Spencer Sanders was in COVID protocol. I think I think we talked about that last week, and we knew that was going to be rough. Um, Illingworth had an A dot of like twelve point four, or maybe it was fourteen point two. I get my numbers backwards sometimes, and a adjusted completion percent of like sixty two percent. And so Gundy basically was like, "Yeah, we're not changing our offense for the backup quarterback. Like Sanders is going to come back. We're going to get reps everywhere else." So I like that. I think that if Sanders is healthy. They should be able to take this no problem. Um, I know there's some other issues, like shout out to Trace Ford. Uh, that, that stinks for that guy tearing the ACL and being out. He was super disruptive. But I, I think Oklahoma State wins this pretty handily. I do too. Um, all the other Big 12 teams are playing FCS games. We are not going to talk about them because we have better things to do with our time. Uh, Parker, let's do best case, worst case. Okay. Um, sorry, you didn't, you didn't want to talk about Bex- uh, Baylor, Texas Southern. No, I don't. West Virginia, LIU doesn't do it for you. Go Blackbird. Oh, Sharks. Shark LIU, em, Brooklyn's the Blackbird. Shark Sharks. Em, we talked about them Sharks. Yeah. I don't know. Shark we got to work baby. on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so best case scenario here is exactly, I think, what we were kind of talking about. I think best case is most likely, which is a weird position for TCU football to be in and almost inevitably means that they will not do that. But generally, I think the best case scenario here is that Cal cannot run the ball. Cal is in third and long often. Chase Garbers gets murdered. Not literally murdered, just... Not literally, but yeah. Exponentially, exponentially, existentially murdered. Um, and so I, I think that that's the situation on, on defense is that they are able to say, look, you can't do what you want and Chase Garbers is going to have to beat us. Now, if Chase Garbers beats us, that's a different conversation. I don't think that's going to happen. The uh, On offense, I think my best case scenario is that TCU doesn't just come out and run Zach Evans nine times on the first drive for a touchdown. I would like for them to score a touchdown on the first drive. I just would like for them to continue to do exactly, Grant, exactly what they did against uh, Duquesne last week and say, yeah, you know what? We're going to come out and we're going to work on some stuff and we're going to take some yards and we're just going to, we're just going to run through our plays and that's going to be great. Yeah. That's my best case. Absolutely. So best case scenario for me is like 40, 30, 38 to 10 TCU. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think my best case is just because I do think Cal's defense is, is decent. I had it at 31-7. to 7. 
Right, so just, hey, you know, you score four touchdowns, kick a field goal, you maybe Cal gets some fluke. I'd take 31-6, to six, honestly. Might, might be probably best case just because you don't let them in the end zone and, you know, and they get a couple of field goals. But I, I do think this is a game where TCU can, can control what it wants to do. Yes. Um, TCU the setting team. the tempo and, and is the best, best case scenario, absolutely. Yes. And I'm willing to be super general at best case. And like you said, setting the tempo. I, I would say if, if I come away from that game thinking TCU controlled that game from start to finish – Totally fine with it. Yeah, I, I think that's best case. Uh, I don't want to have to do it, but let's let's do it. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, worst case for me is uh, they don't control the game, and and then and that they get run on, right? Because I and that I don't they think get into a, a pissing Garbers... contest about the running game. Yes, exactly. Because I don't think there's a world where Garbers beats us by himself. I think this is a game where you know more rats, you know runs. Uh, I can't say the word. Just rips off a couple of runs. Um, and she's like, well, we can, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And all of a sudden, Amari DiMarcado has 12 carries. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I, I think TCU's going to win this game. The worst case, I guess, I mean, it'd be an ugly. We're not going to say the name of the other game, but like a 17 to 14 sort of blah, like nasty game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but. Uh, yeah, my, my worst case is, is is worse than that. I think we get into a field goal match. I think that TCU doesn't trust Duggan. They took that one drive to say, you know what? You can't do what we ask of you, and we have no one else on the roster. Um, I think if Downing or Morris get reps at all, something is real, real bad. And it Wolf, sucks yeah. that those are still on the table, right? Like, that's theoretically still on the table. I, 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 I don't think it is, but I can – but okay. You know, worst case scenario, we're talking darkest timeline here. You're right. You're right. You're uh, right. Grant, petition to make this the the darkest timeline segment as a throwback to community. We should talk about that. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. So darkest timeline is like TCU doesn't score a touchdown. They just can't finish drives. Again, they, they get really foiled by Wilcox, and it's like a nine to nine to three, nine to six TCU victory um, that just derails any notion of national competition. Yeah. Yikes. Um, okay. Actual predictions. I'll uh, I'll lead off. What I say, thirty-one-six is best case. I'll go close to that. I'll say I'll say thirty-one-ten. You think they're going to break thirty? I think they're going to break thirty. I do. I do. Um, 31-10 is yours. Yeah. Okay. My model has this at thirty-seven-twelve. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. Four field goals, Cal. I dare you. I'm a double dog dare you. Uh, I hope that Cal scores two garbage time touchdowns and goes for two on both of them. And doesn't make it. <laughs> That's way funnier. Um, yeah, generally, I think that I think it'll be closer to that. Give me, give me a solid look. They're going to give up a stupid touchdown. TC's middle name is stupid touchdown in twenty twenty. They're going to give one up. Let's let's go thirty five ten. That's what I'm feeling. Thirty five ten. I like it. Parker, do you have anything else? Yes. Before we, uh, uh, before we wrap up here. Go ahead. So many economists went to Cal. So many. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I was going to do Cal alumni, and I was like, there are a lot of nerds. It is so boring. Daniel Kahneman, thinking fast and slow. He does all the game theory, behavioral, re- like uh, psychological research. Uh, the other one people might know is... Uh, Douglas North got his BA there. He's a big development guy. He's he's I love Douglas North. He's about like uh, institutions and how like rules of the game matter. He's really really interesting. Thomas Sargent, Thomas Schnelling, is another one. Um, both of those guys are really smart in macroeconomics in things that 
you and I don't really know. Schnelling was more game theory, but but things that you and I can only pretend to know about. Um, looking at their their common non-academic guys, because they are just, I mean, they have Academy Award people, Pulitzers. This is lifestyles and the rich and famous here. Uh, yeah, Berkeley's uh, Berkeley just churned out some really famous people. So looking at it's their um, people who have won. The film section is actually pretty underwhelming because it's all like super pretentious, so I haven't seen any of it. But they have uh, Rube Goldberg, 1904, got his bachelor's from Cal. Oh, okay, all right. William Randolph Hearst Jr., international reporter. Okay. He's kind of like a, uh, a wartime correspondent, I believe. Um, Stephen Hobbs is another name you know. Uh, I'm looking at I'm now scrolling past where I looked before. Robert Penn Warren, that was the one I saw. All the King's Men went to Cal. Uh, got his master's in fine arts in 1927. I like it. Robert McNamara, who is the president of the World Bank, is on there. Uh, Berkeley has an element named after it. Uh, Berkeleyum, I believe. Uh, and, uh, of course, Californium is an element as well, but that is a, uh, uh, a state... Uh, looking at Andrew Schneider, Emmy EP Awards. of The Sopranos, went to Berkeley. Okay, okay, I like that. Um, see, this this is how pretentious Cal is. Their alumni list isn't broken up by like field; it's broken up by medals won. By the awards they got. Of awards they've won. Um, a lot of math nerds. A lot of math nerds. I'm trying. Are there any cool people? That's what I'm trying to Arts and media. Scroll to. Arts and media. Okay. No, but Arts see. and media was disappointing. I don't know. Maybe we'll find somebody better there. Oh, uh, uh, Philip K. Dick. He wrote uh, Blade Runner. Hey, any... Well, no. well who, who wrote... Who, no, 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 no. He wrote The Angel's Dream of Electric Sheep, which got turned into Blade Runner. Actually, they have like um, 19... No, they have way more than 19. They have like 40 MacArthur Genius Grants. Yeah. Uh, Scott Adams, who wrote Dilbert, and now might be a bad guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Les Claypool, who is the bassist and singer of Primus. Stuart Copeland, the drummer of the police. The pur- Purple Theory would like to say that um, we're not making any comments as to Scott Adams' bad guyness or good guyness. We're just saying we like Dilbert. No, I said what I said. Uh, we oh, and also uh, Adam Duritz, the lead singer of the Counting Crows, went but did uh, not graduate. How dare you come on this podcast and call them the Counting Crows? Sorry, my bad. Parker, Adam Duritz dated Jennifer Aniston while having dreadlocks. While having real gross dreadlocks. Um, <laughs> White guy dreadlocks. And Timothy, he dated Jennifer Timothy Aniston. Timothy Leary uh, got his PhD. Oh, yeah. He is listed as a psychologist and counterculture figure. And if you don't think that is an odd and underwhelming description of him, Google Timothy Leary. <laughs> what is that? Is that a uh, Pink Floyd song? <laughs> Timothy Leary's not dead. He's waiting on the inside. Something like that. Uh, Gregory Peck, who, uh, of course, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, the actor. Uh, one, one of the great uh, soliloquies of our time. His, uh, or, no, I guess it would be a monologue, so other people in the room uh, during that scene. Um, politics and government, Lord knows what, what, what people went there. Um, apparently, uh, in Archer, they, uh, Lana's mother is a, is a professor at UC Berkeley. Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, a, a lot of people went to Cal. So, Mar- I'll say this: I would, I would still brag about Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, the the athletes are, are a good a good section. I know that's kind of cheating, but the athletes, you were like, man, I look, you got you got Aaron Rodgers, you got uh, Marshawn Lynch, you've got um, Sharif Abdur Rahim, who is a basketball player. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Anderson, who's like the weird white guy who always makes threes. Uh, 
great uh-huh. player. Um, current NFL running back C.J. Anderson, although his current running NFL running back status is is maybe questionable. Um, they, a, a whole lot of, uh-huh. I mean, a whole lot of recent NFL guys, like an alarming amount. Yeah. Uh, Herm yeah. Edwards, coach at Arizona State. I think that's where. Oh, okay. Herm Edwards went to Cal. Herm Edwards. I will rest with Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, who we had, had not said. Oh. Uh, Parker, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. It has. Grant, it's good to be back and talking about a real team, man. It really has. Um, Parker and I, we're going to give you a double barrel, a triple barrel really full of content tomorrow. The podcast will come out on Thursday. My preview will come on Thursday. Yours coming out Thursday? Maybe Thursday afternoon. Maybe Thursday afternoon, maybe Friday, who knows. <laughs> Buddy, I feel you. Um, you can follow Parker on Twitter at Stats of War. I'm Grant McGalliard, at Grant McGalliard. Spells like it sounds with all the vowels. Subscribe to the Purple Theory Substack. We are back. We are in business. We are churning out content. Uh, that is purpletheory.substack.com. Uh, other than that, go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs.